The Start On Demand. On demand. Last week, we read a passionate email that had been sent to us from a man whose wife is a nurse. Today, we'll speak to that man. His name is Chris and his wife, Erin. We'll speak to a Winnipeg business owner and landlord who shares her challenges of staying open during a pandemic while also trying to access government supports. A Winnipegger has taken a message the Prime Minister delivered to kids last month and turned it into a Lego video to make more kids want to watch it. And we want to know the answer to this all-serious question. What is your favorite snack? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, April 6th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb on a Monday. Once again, Mackling and McNabb are at home and some more changes coming to the station, guys. Soon it's just going to be basically me and Forte around here uh, because uh, Kelly is going to be working from home starting tomorrow, Kelly Moore. Jeff Courier is at home as of today. KK, Kathy Kennedy is going to be at home as of today, as well as Christian O'Mell for the happy hour later tonight. He's going to be at home. So it's a veritable ghost town around here but uh it's good to talk to you guys again so good morning good morning how was your weekend good morning my weekend uh was it was interesting uh <laughs> i was out for a walk yesterday and i was crossing the maryland bridge and i looked out onto the the water and ice and saw this lone goose just slowly walking across the ice and i thought that is eerily relatable and similar to my life right now because I'm just this lone guy walking around <laughs> through the cold and ice Uh-oh. and there's this goose walking around by itself. So, uh, yeah, it made me made me kind of sad for a second and then just made me pause and reflect that, hey, at least I've got friends who are checking in on me to make sure that I'm still sane. Uh, you know, living at home alone is kind of weird right now. So, or, although maybe for you, I don't know, like... Loren, uh, I guess we'll start with you. <laughs> Are you like desperate to get out of the house and get away from your family? Not away from anybody, just to get out. I mean, I, I genuinely have not gone into any store or shop or other. I'm just trying to think now. I think it's been about two and a half weeks or so. And so you're home all day with everyone. And that's that's not bad. So far, so good. But you just want a, a change of scenery. So I forced everybody out and into the car for a... Uh, Saturday drive and then a little bit of a hike uh, on a trail we found near where we live and yeah like it's, I, I, I don't know I just need a change of scenery that's mostly what I'm aiming for Greg uh, well my, my dogs as so many dogs right now are the ones that are loving this self-isolation practice the most I don't know what they're going to do when we all go back to work because my dogs are getting three and four walks a day so they're enjoying that very much and yeah i don't remember the last time i went anywhere i think it's been eight or nine days jackie went and did some grocery shopping on saturday i think it was saturday and we had a zoom uh, meeting with uh with my brother and sister-in-law on saturday night i watched a movie yesterday organized a closet with one of the boys yesterday yeah, I'm running out of things to do, quite <laughs> frankly. So I will uh, I will say I saw I, this. We will have a party in my garage. Oh, that sounds good. I I was when you mm-hmm. speak about wanting to get out of the house, Brett, I did see this, you know, everyone has fun little tweets or memes going around and yesterday one of them I saw said 
My wife and I play this fun game during quarantine. It's called, why are you doing it that way? (laughs) And there are no winners. (laughs) Oh, man, that is gold. That is gold. Greg, you mentioned Zoom. I was supposed to... Uh, have uh, an online house party. I guess there's another app out there called House Party. It's a similar idea, but you can play games and stuff on it, like Pictionary. And I was supposed to have a house party on Friday with a couple of my buddies. And I told them ahead of time, look, guys, there is a good chance that, like, I'm I'm a hard maybe on this because I might be asleep uh, because I had a long day Friday. And sure enough, I got my Santa Lucia pizza around 6 o'clock, and I was out cold by 7 and I woke up at 10. So I missed the house party. The one chance I was going to have to see some friends on the weekend. And I missed it because I slept through it. What's the name That's of that it. app? It's called House Party? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even get to, I didn't even make it to the download process. I fell asleep before I could even look into it. So okay. we'll have to dig into that a little bit. We had a video chat on Friday with some girlfriends who were spread out across Canada. And we were planning to do have it go like 30 minutes because one of the girls on it's overseas in Europe that's where she's working and uh, we ended up video chatting for three hours Friday night it was so wonderful and cathartic and we just laughed and it was a great great time so man was I super thankful for that technology Friday okay I I definitely need to download these apps I have downloaded Zoom but I'm going to try this house party and see if I can have a take two coming this weekend now Greg you mentioned uh, you haven't really been out to the store but you did just send out a tweet about 10 minutes ago regarding how things have changed at the stores. And this is based on what I'm gathering from speaking to my friends and social media. So this is why I'm asking. I said, by the sounds of things, many Winnipeg stores have implemented the one-way aisle system, something we discussed, I think, uh, eight or nine days ago on the show. In addition to the plexiglass shields for cashiers, I'm wondering about any other ingenious changes you're seeing out there to to keep staff safe and to keep ourselves safe when we uh, actually do venture out. I think it's important to to note that people are making the innovations and the steps and the lengths to which they're going in order to make this time less difficult for those of us who are just don't really want to go anywhere unless we absolutely have to. I can tell you that uh, I was at... I had to go to Safeway last Thursday for myself, and then I had to go to Walmart on Friday to pick up some groceries for my dad, and then I had to go back to Safeway on Sunday uh, to get some, like I had no bananas, so I needed to get some bananas for myself, but Safeway in particular, they have got it down to a science. They are super organized. Everything is one way through the stores. Uh, every person that goes through the door gets a cart instead of a hand, no more hand baskets. It's all carts because that that's how they keep track of how many people they've got in the store. But the the downside and, and you know, this is just the, the new reality we have to deal with is that you got to stand in line. And I'm sure there were 50 people in line Saturday afternoon outside the Osborne Village Safeway. So you're probably waiting an hour to get in to buy groceries. So going to the grocery store right now, Greg, it's, uh, you know, you're not missing anything. Oh, well, that's good to know. And what are they doing outside the store to make sure that people are keeping their distance from one another? Is, is there anything literal in place or is it the honor system? What's going down? Yeah, it's just honor system. People just seem to be staying about between six and 10 feet apart. Uh, so like the lineup, even though there, there might only be 40 to 50 people in line, it stretches out over easily over 100 yards. Uh, like it was snaked way around the parking lot 
on Saturday afternoon. So uh, we'll talk more about grocery stores. And again, go to GMACWPG on Twitter if you want to weigh in on that. But just very quickly, Loren, we also need to, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that today is an important anniversary. Yeah, it's hard to believe that two years have passed and in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis, families of the Humboldt Broncos, they can't get together and and mourn their loss of their loved ones like they normally would. Lots of them were hoping to have a small ceremony in Humboldt or visit the crash site or gather with friends. And instead, they won't be doing that. But we wanted to listen back to some audio from two years ago from Humboldt Broncos President Kevin Granger on just how they all woke up that morning. While we try and move forward as an organization and community, we will never forget April 6th, 2018. And we will never forget the members of our Broncos family who were taken from us and who were injured. And while we are stunned and grieving over this incomprehensible situation, we know that this is a moment when we must come together to support, to comfort, and to lean on one another. We will persevere and we will honor the souls that were lost. Family Kevin of uh, Logan was. Oh, go ahead, Loren. I was I just going to say the family Kevin... of Logan Boulay was saying that, you know, it's going to be a lonely day for them because of the way they can't get together as normal. But, man, when you think about back about how this country got together, Greg, uh, two years ago, it's uh, pretty remarkable just to think of that incredible loss and, and also just the rallying call from everybody. Yeah, I think uh, everybody remembers where they were when they heard the news of what was going on. And then uh, as it escalated, Kevin Granger was just an incredible voice uh, for the Humboldt Broncos, for their families. And just uh, what still overwhelms me two years later is the fact that these families, uh, at every opportunity, expressed their gratefulness, their thankfulness for the support and comfort they received from Canadians. And tomorrow we will uh, honour on uh, mass, uh, wear green tomorrow. It's green shirt day. We'll talk about that a little bit more throughout the day as well as we honor those who, who make sure that, um, in a time of tragedy, their life goes on in a manner of speaking by donating their, their organs in, in a, in an untimely passing. All right, well, here's the headline from the Edinburgh News. South Queen's Ferry Company to 3D print 50 face shields a day for frontline workers during coronavirus crisis. Yeah, nurses, doctors, pharmacists, and those working in food banks across Edinburgh and the Lothians will benefit from the new personal protective equipment production line created by the South Queen's Ferry 3D Printing Collective. Our next guest who launched this fundraiser said the printers are being used to create face shields, not dissimilar to protective welding masks, which are then distributed. Now, why are we talking about this? Well, I saw this story on Twitter, courtesy of Winnipegger David Jacks. Our guest lives in Scotland and said this to me in the email as we were working out a time frame for him to visit with us. Thank you very much, Greg. My grandparents used to have CJOB playing every morning on an old radio in the kitchen. It's the sound of my childhood. Must have been 35 years ago. I probably wouldn't do this for any other radio station. Eli Jacks is our guest, and he joins us from Scotland. Good morning, Eli. I guess it's afternoon for you. Good morning. Yeah, yeah. It's just about lunchtime. Just about lunchtime. Fantastic. Uh, la- well, last thanks. time I was on your station was, was being yelled at by Peter Warren on the action line. So it's nice <laughs> to be on with some good news. 
Well, we'll find out perhaps uh, what you were getting in trouble from Peter for, but we'll talk to you both. <laughs> I, <laughs> we'll I, took you... No, I don't think we're going to go into that, actually. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, we can talk about what took you to Scotland in a moment, but tell us more about sure. what you're doing there and where the money is coming from to make these shields. Oh, it's, it, it's been incredible. Um, I, I saw a, a post oh, about a week ago, uh, someone else making these. They're, they're, it's a plastic frame that we 3D print, and then we stick a, a clear binder cover uh, in, the, in the front of it, a bit of elastic around the back. And a, as you said, it's like a, like a welding mask. Um, I saw a post of someone making it about a week ago, so uh, I posted on our, on our local neighborhood Facebook page that I've got a 3D printer, and if anyone needs a couple, that I can, I can probably knock them up. And uh, I was expecting, you know, a, a dozen or so. And right now we've got a backlog of about 800 masks that we need to make. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just taken off. Um, so who, who I've been gets joined these? By, sh- by a couple of other local guys who are, who've got 3D printers as well. So we, uh, we did a little fundraiser asking for, for 300 pounds to buy a, another printer. And uh, it's up to, I think we're nearly at 3,000 pounds at the moment. So we've, we've, we've ordered four to ramp up production. Wow, that's incredible! Uh, who who gets these shields, Eli? Oh, all sorts of people. We've had uh, NHS nurses, we've had uh, uh, care homes, we've got uh, care in the community nurses going out and, and dealing with vulnerable people. Uh, we've had uh, people who need to take family members into hospitals, and and I don't know if it's the same same there. I imagine it is, but but everyone's just just desperate for the for the uh, PPE uh, for uh, uh, protective equipment. Uh, so it's really anyone anyone who needs them uh, we're, we're providing for. We're trying to concentrate on people who just need a, a few and, and sort of more the personal for personal people rather than the big companies. There's other groups supplying the NHS with thousands of them, but uh, it's, it's the people who aren't going to get on those waiting lists that we're trying to help out uh, as quick as we can. Eli, I know 3D printers have been around for a few years now, but I still can't wrap my brain around how they work. Whenever I see them in action, I just think, what manner of sorcery is this here? But I'm just curious to know, how long does it take for one of these printers to make one of these masks? Well, we've just switched to a, a new design. The, the one we were doing before takes uh, took about an hour each, uh, which obviously isn't very quick. Uh, the new design's about half an hour uh, each, so we're, I can do two at a time, so... Um, we're trying to ramp up production. We've got we've got more printers coming. Uh, we've got uh, I've got my, my two friends Travis and Julian uh, have printers, so they're they're doing it all the time as well. Uh, I've I've got a couple of guys in 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 Edinburgh itself uh, who've, who've who've joined in. So we're uh, hopefully at, yesterday we were producing more than we were having requested, but uh, from this morning the emails are flooding in. So we're uh, we're on the back foot again, but we're we're, we're plugging away here. But. <laughs> Fantastic, Eli. Tremendous initiative. And we've been celebrating Winnipeg businesses who are going above and beyond trying a way to stay in business to serve the public in a different fashion. And I just felt it was uh, mandatory that we reach out to you to uh, speak to you. What took you to Scotland? And uh, tell us how much you miss Winnipeg before we let you go. <laughs> well, I was, I, was, I was only meant to come over for, uh, for three months and travel around Europe. And that was uh, 1998. And I, I just never, never, never made it back. Uh, I, I do miss when I miss, I miss my family. I miss my friends. I know a few of them are, are, are have woken up bright and early this morning. They'll listen in. Uh, so hey, hey to everyone in Winnipeg. I miss you guys. Um, but yeah, no, I like it here. I like it here. Uh, I don't know if I'll come back, but I, I try to visit. <laughs> 
that's amazing stuff. Thank you for your time. And, and quickly, before we let you go, is this something that any others have reached out to you on, Eli, in terms of trying to adopt what you're doing and maybe doing it elsewhere in other cities? It, it, it's absolutely massive. Uh, it's, there's people all over the UK doing it. Pretty much anyone with a 3D printer uh, seems to be turning their, turning their machines to this. I've got a friend in Glasgow who's running the same kind of operation as I am here. Uh, I've got friends all over Edinburgh. I've got friends across in Fife. Uh, there's people down in London. There's people in Wales. There's people across the Midlands. Uh, and that's not to mention that all over Spain, it's huge. Uh, I know in, in Philippines, I've spoken to someone, spoken to a few people in the States. I'm positive there's people in, in Canada and in Winnipeg doing it. If anyone needs these made, go online. You'll find someone that, that can help you out. All right. Eli Jacks joining us live from Scotland. Eli, thank you so much for the time, sir. Much appreciated. Cheers, pal. It was an absolute pleasure. All right. And once again, Eli joining us from Scotland. And indeed, a lot of companies are pivoting. Uh, there's a company here in Manitoba that reached out to us. They're called Icon Direct. They're a manufacturer of aftermarket RV products, but they too are now uh, making PPE face shields to help uh, individuals limit, limit their exposure to the virus. So we're, we've actually been in contact with them over the weekend. We might bring them on the show this week to have a chat about that. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Braun is here, Jeff Forte. Right now we want to talk about your favorite snacks because Greg noticed a lot of people talking about their favorite snacks on social media over the weekend and the shift with Drex overnight was discussing that and that got us all hungry. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually, now that I think about it, I'm kind of reluctant to have this conversation because I was planning to eat a salad for dinner tonight, but I suspect it might be buying myself a box of Old Dutch Ripple Chips and making myself some onion dip, but we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, why don't we start it up here with uh, Jeff Braun, my co-host of the Couch Potatoes. What's your go-to snack, buddy? My favorite thing is a, a, a big, fat, juicy cinnamon bun. That hits the spot each and every time, and try not to have too many of them because... It hits the spot too well, and if I buy a thing of four, there's a good chance I'll eat three in a row. So, I would have thought you would go with the movie popcorn. Ah, I enjoy that too, but uh, you said favorite, so I'm going with cinnamon bun. The cinnamon bun. I had no idea. Jeff Braun revealing more layers as we go through <laughs> uh, as, while he's working from home. Kelly Moore, what about you? Uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, one of my uh, wife's daycare parents is a baker. And uh, he brought in a, a six-pack of those cinnamon buns, just glopped with that uh, uh, cream cheese, I guess it is on it, or sweet cream cheese or icing or whatever it is. Yeah. Anyway, they were really, really good. But my, uh, you mentioned it, uh, ripple potato chips, mm-hmm. uh, lightly salted. Um, and I have to put some in a bowl. My wife will not allow me to bring a bag down to the couch. Why? Well, because I don't know when to say when. To say when. <laughs> Next thing you know, after two episodes of whatever we're watching, you know, there's a few crumbs left in the bag. So, And those are the big bags. Good for you. <laughs> like the Costco bag? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Forte? Uh, I've said it once. I'll say it again. Wings. Chicken wings. Chicken wings. Okay. It doesn't matter what flavor, but uh, I, I love them all. Besides, I do like popcorn, though, but I do need seasoning for the popcorn you love all the flavors yeah like i I have a bunch (laughs) i've like ketchup salt and vinegar i got uh spicy ones i can't remember what it's called but yeah i got a i got a ton yeah because i I think that wild wings place has like 65 flavors uh so yeah that's that's my go-to okay right on how about you mackling 
Well, it's pretty simple for me. It's Ripple chips mm. along with hell of a dip. Like it is my weakness and uh, it will always be my weakness has been ever since the first time I tried hell of a dip back. It must have been 96 or 97 when I got introduced to that out in uh, out in BC. And um, yeah, I've got friends who know not to put out the chips and dip until mm. I've been there for an hour or so or otherwise they're going to be gone before the night even gets started. So. There and you, you prefer go. the hell of a good dip over just the, the real, like, homemade sour cream with onion soup? Mm-hmm. My friend Sherry makes a pretty good uh, onion soup slash sour cream dip, and so it, it's good in a pinch. How's that? That's a good backup plan. Like the, the hell of a good dip is the backup plan. Oh, no, no. The no. hell of a dip is first and foremost. Oh, okay. the, the, the sour cream and onion onion soup mix, that's a good backup. Plan. Okay. I would trade. The, uh, for me, it's the reverse. The hell of a good dip is really? the, the best. Yeah, yeah. You can't beat the real thing. The hell of a good dip is uh, is the backup. That's uh, that's if I'm too lazy to make the dip. Uh, what about you, McNabb? Anything with salt. Just, <laughs> all things salty. That's just a bag of salt. Yeah, no, uh, my like obviously like my go-to on that front is salt and vinegar chips and the Lay's one. I'm not a big fan of the ones that are like I like the crunch of a Miss Vicky, but I don't. I'm not a fan of the malt vinegar or whatever kind of vinegar ends up on those ones. So mm. I like my salt and vinegar Lay's. But honestly, like if it has salt, uh, I, I'm in. Yesterday I found myself, and I'm just embarrassed. My my lunch was leftover mashed potatoes with gravy on top, and then I added. <laughs> more salt into this bowl of mashed potatoes and gravy so yeah there's a there's a there's a problem there there's a high blood pressure situation i'm sure listen to this snack from mike who says one of our favorite snacks are homegrown jalapenos or jalapenos if you prefer for if you're a trailer park boys fan cut in half and seeded filled with a mix of cream cheese and cooked bacon bits and then baked for about 10 minutes pairs well with any cold beer wow that's yeah. not bad at all. I've made those. I also will do that with the, um, you know, the pepperoncinis. They're like, uh, you get them in a jar. You just cut them open. And basically cream cheese with bacon is like, goes in anything. I don't think you can find, I defy you to find anything that doesn't fit with cream cheese and bacon, quite frankly. It's Jeff, amazing. Jeff Braun, what's your, uh, do you have a favorite potato chip? Um, just not really. I like just the plain ones. I don't care if they're rippled or not, but just the plain ones, no dip. No dip, just plain no. chips. With a nice tall glass of uh, tepid water. <laughs> <laughs> tepid water, not just water, but tepid water. Yep. Hey, you Jeff Forte. Yep. Faucet right in the middle to get the nice, not quite warm, not quite cold flavor to taste there. <laughs> I was going to ask Forte if he'd ever seen the old Dutch uh, hot wing potato chips with blue cheese dressing. That was the flavor. Did you I ever think, see I those? I think I've had those before, but I, I can't remember. Uh, it might have been a while ago. But I was just thinking, I, think they... it, uh, I could really go for a just a baked potato, a loaded baked potato right now. I don't know why. It just hit me, and now I want a baked potato. <laughs> Sour cream and bacon, I think, is probably what did it to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, now we're all going to be starving, and we're all going to go out and make some unhealthy grocery purchases after the show is done. So let us know. 204-780-6868. Tim says, has to be Old Dutch. Nothing else is a real chip. I agree with you there, in ter- especially with the dip. It's got to be an Old Dutch ripple chip. Mm-hmm. 
there won't be any school bells ringing this morning, but class is technically back in session as kids wake up to their new normal school from home. Yeah, we know school was suspended indefinitely last week, so we don't know when it will return. So right now, parents are also waking up to their new normal, which might be emails from teachers or the school division explaining how these first few days and weeks will go. So throughout spring break, we know staff are working to come up with a plan for the next uh, few days and months ahead. And Alan Campbell is the president of the Manitoba School Boards Association and joins us now with more. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. Thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, uh, is there a uniform approach happening here from division to, to division in terms of what each school will be doing? Or is it up, up, up to the school to decide how they're going to get this information and lessons out to parents? Well, I think I think there is uniformity across the province in that the objective is that every student will have the opportunity to continue learning. But then in terms of how each school division and, like you said, each school does it, uh, will depend on what what works best in that situation. Um, challenges ranging from internet connection to uh, socioeconomic realities for many Manitoba families that make simple things like receiving a phone call or a text message impossible um, are going to be variables that local schools and local school boards know best in terms of how to how to craft some of the programming that will take place in the next uh, well the foreseeable future as much as the next three months. Alan, we know that there can be a divide not only between school to school, maybe even division to, to division, but certainly classroom to classroom, and then student to student. Everybody learns at a different pace. They have a, a different style that appeals to them. And so then when you throw this technology piece into it, it can really uh, create a, a wide array of challenges. How are you approaching that? If, if we've got a student uh, in, in a classroom that, that does not have internet connectivity, but that is sort of the way the, the school and the classroom is moving, uh, what, what is the most common way of, of approaching that, that challenge? Well, I think the, the most important thing that every school is looking at is how to get those resources into the hands of students. So in a lot of school divisions in this province, we're looking at um, resource package uh, delivery um, and getting physical packages on a regular basis uh, in a way that they always have material to work with uh, to school or to the home. Um, and that's exactly what it sounds like, like curbside drop-off, obviously limiting contact between school division representation and families, but still getting that information to them. Um, and, you know, in the, just in the, in the range of one classroom, be it in, in the city of Winnipeg or in the PAW, you could have different levels of how that information is going to be accessed. So the teachers are going to be using whatever resources are available to them from the school division in terms of connectivity and in terms of um, how to connect, in cases where they can connect via streaming internet options, but then also okay, I have this information compiled, now how do I get it out to my students? And those are the conversations that are happening between school administrators, teachers, and then, of course, from school administrators up to senior administration at the division level and, of course, being overseen by school boards. Will the students be taking tests as per usual? Well, I think that part of the process, and the minister has been really clear from the, from the get-go, that assessment is going to look very different. Assessment is not going to happen in terms of provincial, provincially-based assessment, but teacher-led assessment is going to be an important part of understanding how our students are moving through this. As you noted, different students learn at different rates, and in this environment, different students will certainly learn at different rates. Um, and then once we, get, once we get the school year uh, kicked off again in the fall, assuming everything goes the way we're hoping it will, 
then at that point, it, it'll be really important for teachers to be supported in understanding where the gaps remain, because obviously there, are, there is a, a spectrum between students now, and it will be very important to understand how that has widened when we all get to come together again in our schools. On that note, Alan, is there talk already on how to best manage that? Like, are, do we need to add days on to the school near, year next year, get kids started early? Are those conversations already underway? Because as you know, there's so many people thinking more time will be needed to adjust as we head into the next school year. There has been some talk of that. Both the minister and the deputy minister raised that in conversations with school boards and superintendents in the early days of when it became understood that this suspension was going to last longer, the suspension of classes. And those conversations will happen. But for right now, and I can tell you, there, for superintendents in this province and the teams that support them, there was no spring break. Um, it, it has been the here and now, how do we build the infrastructure to create uh, an environment where students can learn from home, where there was in many, many households in this province, no infrastructure for that at all. So there are conversations around internet connection for staff, diversified workload for staff, and internet connection for families. What is, uh, what, at what point is it no longer safe to be coming into the building uh, to access resources? Who should be doing that? Because, of course, social distancing and making sure that we're uh, limiting the spread of COVID-19 is also the underlying uh, concern to all of this. Alan, one of the challenges for parents is, is making sure that we have a little bit of a routine set up for our kids. And one of my teacher friends sent me this last night, and uh, she suggested a school assignments hour, a create and connect hour, math time hour, quiet time, fitness hour, and then, uh, I really like this, acts of service. Do something for others. Create a chore per day chart with your family. Reach out or connect with someone who might be lonely. Sounds like a, a, a ter- terrific way to, to outline a day for, for our young people. Yeah, I think I think any parent or anyone involved in education would say that young people and students do best when there is some semblance of structure, and as you noted at the, at the start of this, that's that, what we understand to be regular structure has gone out the window. So if parents are in a position to create that structure, um, then by all means seek out. There's tons of best practices being shared out for, for the concern of school boards. However, and for superintendents in this province, there's a lot of families where there may not have been very strong structure before this started. There may have been a whole litany of challenges that, that made attending school and learning in best case scenarios very challenging. And so when it comes to understanding what the local needs are, the conversation around school board tables with their superintendents and leadership teams is how do we make sure that where there was no structure before, um, we can continue to try outside of school, we can continue to try to build that structure into this. Alan Campbell is the president of the Manitoba School Boards Association joining us live on CJOB. Alan, thank you for the time. Thank you. We start this half hour by asking the question, how does social distancing work when you live in a condo or an apartment complex? How do you take the elevator or use shared spaces or have they all closed? And what do you do when you think someone in your building is not taking the concept of self-isolating seriously? Over the weekend, a local property management company sent out a notice that it had been inundated with calls from upset residents and staff who were reporting that many of their neighbours who had recently returned from travel 
were not self-isolating. While Bridges Property Management says it's contacted those that uh, were reportedly not complying with public health orders, its president says it can do little when it comes to enforcement, Loren. Yeah, so it's asking for help on this front, and we're joined now by Brenda Bridges, who is the president of Bridges Property Management in Winnipeg. Uh, Thanks for being with us, Brenda. Oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. You use the word in your release, inundated. What are you hearing from residents, and, and what's the primary concern from them? The primary concern is actually twofold. One is not self-isolating. We have a number of snowbirds that have come back, and some are self-isolating, but a majority of them aren't. And the other is social distancing, that people just simply aren't respecting the uh, social distancing laws. And regrettably, they come to us for help, but there's nothing that we can really do. I've contacted the chief of police to see if there's any type of enforcement And he said, no, there's no enforcement in their hands now. Um, They have no authority to intervene. And as a property manager, there's really nothing I can do other than send letters and phone calls. It's obviously very frustrating for people who are reaching out to you to ask for some support, Brenda. When you reach out to those that are not in compliance, who, who are allegedly not doing the right thing, what's the reaction when you speak to them or when you call them? To tell you the truth, they they blow us off. They say that um, we don't have any authority to do anything and they have their rights to be in the common area. They can go ahead and use the exercise equipment even though we've closed it down. They're just not willing to help. And without some authority, I can't do anything. So I've got owners calling me that are crying. I've got staff that are on the front line saying, Brenda, what do I do? And there's nothing I can do. What are you asking government officials or police to help you with? I'm asking them to help us with if they can find these people or at least go and talk to them or even make a phone call to them. Just anything to let them know that this is serious, that they're threatening the lives of other people. You know, Brenda, we've talked to a lot of people over the past few weeks about just the different behaviors that they've witnessed. And after eight, we're going to speak to this husband of a nurse who wrote us with this beautiful letter last week about just how frustrated he is seeing people who are not doing the right thing, not socially distancing, not self-isolating, particularly because his wife is going out on the front lines every day to do her part to make everybody safer and healthier. And so he's very frustrated when he hears all sorts of bad behaviors going on. You're, you're telling me that there are people out there who say, I still have the right to jump on this elliptical right now, no matter what the rules are saying even though the gym's closed, it's that level of non-compliance? Yes, it is. They're still having parties. They're gathering in the common areas. They're just simply doing whatever they want. And I'm not saying everybody is doing that, but it doesn't take a lot of people to spread this virus. It only takes a few, as we've learned. Oh, go ahead, Brenda. Sorry. We're just really needing some help. I had one of our buildings, what we decided to do is to give every person in the building a check for $100 if they would obey the rules. We just want people to survive through this. Brenda, the sense of entitlement uh, strikes me as overwhelming uh, with anyone that would take uh, this approach to it. I always wonder about where these people are coming from and and how it is that they haven't been paying attention and, and understanding that for three weeks now, Manitoba has been doing a lot and so many people are doing what they can do to limit the spread and to flatten the curve and involving associated with COVID-19. It's mind-boggling. It does. And it's even more frustrating because we're boots on the ground. Like We're getting these passionate calls for help and our hands are tied. These people are saying, well, you know, I came across the border and the, the uh, border guard didn't tell me I had to do anything. So why, do you, why are you telling me I have to do something? You don't have any rights to tell me what to do. It's, it's scary. 
Brenda, I live in a high-rise apartment, and uh, a couple of weeks ago they posted signs saying no more than two to four people in the elevator at any given time. Now it says just two, and to take the stairs wherever possible. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing in your properties that might have elevators? We posted those signs about three weeks ago, restricting the elevator service to one person at a time, and if they were physically fit to take the stairs. And then I get nasty phone calls from people saying, you know, how dare I tell them to take the stairs? It's their right to get in the elevator. So it, it's very, very frustrating. We have signs up all over the place asking people to be sure and wash their hands and to, to observe social distancing. But without somebody to enforce it, I'm just a property manager. I can hear the frustration in your voice, Brenda. You mentioned uh, a few minutes ago this idea of paying people to be compliant, a $100 check. How did that go over? How did that work? Was that, is it, has it been successful in any way? Well, we just started it, and it's in the building. I think I've got about 70 residents in this building, and the majority of them are still complying. But, of course, there's always that one guy that thinks he's a cowboy and is beyond getting this virus, that he's uh, you know immune to it, and this one person is continuing to go door-to-door and, ride the elevator up and down and so other people can't get in it. So aside, you know, what else can we do? All right, Brenda Bridges, the president of Bridges Property Management in Winnipeg, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Brenda, thank you very much for this. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And hopefully the mayor will listen to us. All right. And yeah, the, as far as taking the uh, taking the stairs is concerned, because they, they, they did put that on our signs as well, take the stairs whenever possible. I've been trying to take the stairs a bit more, but I live on the 16th floor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, as fit as anybody would be going up 16 flights of stairs is a, is a lot. And we have a lot of elderly people who live in my apartment. There's no way they could take the stairs. So, I mean, I'll do it when I can, but... Uh, uh. Well, for sure, everyone has to do their part, but I'm sickened to hear of the idea that people's response is, you know, I can use this gym equipment if I want to, or use this shared space if I want to, or be annoyed or frustrated. I get that it's hard. It's hard on everybody right now. But when you're in those shared spaces, Brett, do you, I know you, you're, you're a generous, kind guy. You're feeling it's not just about you. It's about for the sake of others. You don't want to be a jerk and and do something that could hurt somebody else in your building. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I got, uh, there was a moment the, a couple of days ago where uh, the elevator opened and there was a guy on the elevator and I got in because it was just two of us and they're saying no more than two, but he got off. He said, I'll, I'll get off. I'll take the stairs. And I just felt kind of weird. But I also, so I felt like I was sort of imposing on him and yet I'm just trying to take the elevator downstairs. So it is a little weird. Uh, right now and I guess just let us know at 204-780-6868 if you live in an apartment or condo complex what are you seeing are you taking the stairs more are you still riding the elevator do you have access to gym equipment like my gym is just locked if I wanted even if I wanted to use the equipment I can't because it's swipe card access and they've locked it down so no gym for me no pool for me but let us know 204-780-6868 what you are seeing Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us today on The Start. And Greg, right now, we, this is a conversation we are all very excited to have. I couldn't agree with you more, Brett. On uh, Wednesday night, we received an email which contained a powerful, heart-wrenching, thought-provoking letter from the husband of a nurse working on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. Thursday morning, Brett put his voice to this message, which was eventually read, at least in part, by Manitoba's Chief Nursing Officer, Lynette Saragusa, in the Provincial Update. 
Brett, would you be so kind as to uh, read an excerpt of the letter we received from Chris Marshall? Sure. It was uh, an honor to read these words, by the way. Uh, Chris wrote, This has a grip on our home, our life, and our marriage. We shared a hug in the kitchen yesterday for the first time, and I don't know how long. And although it felt so good to be close again, I was afraid. Will this be the time something happens? Then she leaned in for a kiss, and overwhelming anxiety crept in. I knew I'd washed my nose and mouth with alcohol hand cleaner. Can you believe that? And she said, don't worry, I just sanitized my face. My God, is this what we have come to? Disclaimers before a kiss? What I've learned is the house, the car, the camper, the etc., 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 and the money mean nothing if she isn't here to enjoy it with me and our family. And I'd give this life up in a second for her to be here and safe. Their beautiful words and joining us this morning is the author of that email, Chris Marshall. And then, of course, the hero subject of his powerful essay, his wife, Erin. Good morning, both of you. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Erin, I'll start with you. I can only, I can't put into words what what we all felt when we read that letter. We had tears in our eyes. But for you, with the anxiety that you must be under, the stress you must be feeling on the job, where were you when you heard what Chris had put pen to paper? And how did what was going through you head, your head when you heard that on air? Um, I didn't know that he had uh, written the letter. Uh, we were actually on our way to dropping me off at work that morning. I stopped at uh, La Jemurde and... Um, I looked at him and he looked at me and he said, they're reading my letter. And uh, we we both uh, started to, to cry. Um, and I listened and uh, yeah, it was, it was very moving. And I, and I knew he was worried and afraid, but I, I guess I didn't, you know, know to the complete extent of it. Chris, this is an incredibly insightful letter. We thank you so much for sharing it with us. It was our honor to do so, as Brett said uh, just a moment ago. Obviously, the the inspiration is clear. It's Aaron. But what compelled you to write this out and put your thoughts, uh, quote unquote, pen to paper and, and share them with us? Well, I think for me, the most important thing was we hear, um, you know, everybody's doing the best that they can, and we're learning as we go here. This is uncharted water, uncharted territory. So, um, you know, the province and Dr. Rusin and Lynette Zaragoza sit up on that stand every day, and they tell us what they think they should be doing, we should be doing, uh, to protect all of us, our community. Uh, and uh, it just wasn't happening. I've I seen every day different things where people weren't following these guidelines, and you know, for me, the breaking point was to hear, you know, that there was the possibility of a football practice or a basketball game. And I just thought, what else do you need to know? What else do you need to hear? I don't understand why some of us feel the need to put ourselves ahead of everyone else. And these frontline workers, the staff, they go to work every single day and they're there for you. But yet, we put ourselves ahead of them, and these are people with families that are waiting for them to come home. Chris, you mentioned in the email that you hoped to speak to somebody involved in those football and basketball practice and games that you mentioned. Uh, has anybody reached out to you? No, uh, not from that. And I, I you know what? Um, to be honest, I wouldn't expect them to. I would, uh, you know, I don't know whether it's guilt or embarrassment or oh my God, what did we do? Uh, I wouldn't, but but uh, what we have received is an overwhelming support from the healthcare community, 
from frontline workers. I've even heard from some spouses uh, uh, myself about the letter and, and uh, you know, thanking those, those words being brought forth. Aaron, you said that you, you know, it made put into light the stress that your spouse and your family might be going under or feeling. Do you feel that stress too? Is it, is it that sense of anxiety going to work just given what we know and what we're dealing with here? Uh, tell us a bit about just how you're doing. Um, so if stress and anxiety, I, do, I don't know that I feel that right now. Right now, I think we all have a job to do and, uh, and we're doing it to the best of our ability. Um, the, um, you know, you come in, you do what you have to do, and um, maybe after, maybe after I'll feel all that. But right now, just knowing that, um, you know, I've got people to look after and uh, things that have to get done. And I've got a wonderful team, and, uh, you know, to to be a part of that is, is what I'm focused on right now. Um, Chris has always been supportive of, of what I've done and what I need to do. And, and although he's, uh, you know, um, scared when I come in, he knows that this is what, what has to get done right now. Chris did such an incredible job of bringing us inside the situation in your home and his feelings. I've always believed, Aaron, that nursing is not a, a job. It's not a vocation. It's a little bit of a calling. What called you to nursing? Mm-hmm. I think it's all—it's always been something that I've wanted to do, and um, uh, didn't go into it right after graduated. We had it started our family, and uh, then our kids were about eight, six, and four, and then went into the uh, uh, nursing program at Red River. Um, It—it's just been something that I knew that I—that I could do, that I wanted to do, and it's been a wonderful profession for me, a wonderful calling, and, and um, has given me great satisfaction. Well, Chris and Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. Uh, Chris, thank you, first of all, for reaching out to us and sending us that wonderful email. And Aaron, thank you for putting yourself out there, as Chris said, while the rest of us get to pull back. I, I am a team of many, and I thank everyone for everything that they're doing. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Will you be applying for the Canada Emergency Response Benefit? So far at cjob.com, 92% say no and 8% say yes. We've also thrown that poll up on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Just looking at uh, the Twitter result, it's uh, 26% say yes, 74% say no. Uh, So varying results, but still, whether it's 8% or 26%, uh, it's a lot of people who are having to apply for this benefit. So much to discuss on that uh, this morning, Greg, especially as it pertains to small business. For sure. And the federal government started taking those applications this morning. If you had your birthday in January, February, March, they're splitting things up based on the month of your birth. And uh, Canadians who have been laid off have had to stop working or close up shop as a result of COVID-19. Loren are encouraged to consider, if not encouraged to apply for this benefit. 
Yeah, and we, we anticipate it being really heavily swamped. We had a text from a listener this morning who said that their daycare worker, who no longer is able to work, was able to get on uh, with someone in minutes and has signed up. So hopefully it goes as quickly and easily for that for many. We, of course, know there are many businesses that have had to close, many that have had to tried to adapt and many that are still trying to figure out if they qualify for any of these programs, whether they come from Ottawa or the provincial government. It's an ever-changing world and Melanie Bernadsky is the owner of Fresh Cut Downtown. That's a flower shop in downtown Winnipeg and she joins us now. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning. How are you doing? We're good, thank you. And I, I have to tell Greg and Brett that Melanie is as cheery yeah. as her flowers. So it's always nice to have uh, in this time. It's hard to be that way, I know. But it, just for those who don't know, the shop is technically closed. It's a non-essential service, but you're still yeah. delivering. Is that right, Melanie? Yeah, and you know, we've actually adopted that attitude for even longer before the announcement Monday. Um, we were just finding, especially because we're downtown, as soon as a lot of the office tower workers started working from home, um, we just shifted business to to as many deliveries as possible. And then even just taking the, the notice from other small businesses, even on Instagram, a lot of coffee shops closing down or doing only pickups. You know, we thought we're just trying to think of the safety of everyone and having a lot of people kind of browsing, walking through the shop just didn't seem quite right. So we've been doing it for a while now, prepaid. Um, we used to be able to let people pick it up inside the mall at our gate. Now we'll, we'll run it out to the car. So that's the new thing since the Monday announcement. So rent was due last week. Uh, what have your landlords told you in terms of what's expected? Yeah, so, well, uh, we have been in talks with our mall manager. Now, um, it might be different for different companies if their ma- um, landlord is local. So our landlord at this time is not. Uh, so we have emailed um, and asked what uh, will be required of us. And uh, they said that we will be receiving a handwritten letter from our landlord. Uh, we have not yet received that. So you've got a lot on your plate here, Melanie. Not only are you yeah. trying to keep your business afloat uh, on the personal side, I understand you also rent out the other half of your duplex. So you're on the yeah. you're on the tenant uh, tenant uh, yeah. landlord <laughs> conversation in a, in a different way. How is that working out? Oh, I gotta tell you, I have a note in my phone, like a, you know, the note folder. And anytime someone sends me a, a link, look at this, get your get your mortgage delayed. I I put that a note in there, and then oh, government funding for small business. Okay, the note goes in there. I think I've got about like my mind is just kind of racing. But you know, I'm trying to just take it a day at a time and trust that. Uh, you know, it's not like toilet paper that's going to be gone tomorrow. I, I, I think I have a little time to sort through some of these um, these links and these folders, see what works best. Uh, my tenant has been really great. She's a she's a part time chef, so she keeps making me uh, treats. Uh, so we're we're in good spirits together, and I've let her know, you know, we're going to work this through together. She's a student. She's been laid off her job. So um, we're going to talk through. I'll, I'll help her out with her options as well. So I, I'm hopeful, but i got to be honest, I haven't applied for anything yet. It's, it's a little overwhelming. Do you feel like in a bit of a way you're 
the overwhelming is it, you're going to rock in a hard place. You have to pay money to keep your shop going, but you don't know how long you're going to yeah. be without having a shop. Then on the other side, yeah. you, you obviously got a duplex to help supplement income yeah. and rent it out. And that's a smart thing to do. But now you have a tenant who's struggling to, to pay rent. Yeah. And so on both ends of the spectrum, Melanie, are you, are you kind of left yeah. thinking, where do I turn next? Yeah. And, and to be honest, I have, had the thought about the business, like looking at some of the options with the government funding, um, from my understanding. So don't um, don't get uh, if, if listeners don't get mad at me, or please send me the correct information. But it sounds like options for businesses. If you're laid off with zero income, there's one option for you. For a business owner, if your if your sales have decreased, but I've been seeing some messaging over. Um, a social media with some small businesses that feeling kind of stuck because um, maybe there if you're comparing from May of uh, March of 2019, but your business was steadily increasing over the last year, and now it's March 2020, and it's not down the percentage it needed to be, but it's not taking into account the increase. You see what I mean? Like it's there's little little things here and there, so it, it makes me kind of I'm not going to I'm going to keep going. But it does give me moments of why am I bothering? Why don't I just shut the doors? And that might be more to my advantage. But I, I believe in the long run for the city, for business. Um, my customers are telling me they want to send flowers. I got to keep going as long as I'm allowed. And we're taking a lot of safety measures, um, disinfecting tools and surfaces, and and of course the curbside pickup. So I'm going to keep going. But I have moments of wondering. If, uh, if if that in the long run financially might not work to my benefit, I, it's very confusing. Do you know any small business owners who will have to close their doors permanently? Um, well, right now I am just seeing all the closures, uh, especially some restaurants downtown. We do workshops and we had a bunch of um, events planned over the next couple of months that had to be cancelled. And so I'm seeing some restaurants continuing with the delivery and the curbside pickup. I am seeing some restaurants that have completely closed because they were too large and they had too many employees. Um, I have not yet seen anyone that said and goodbye, we're never opening again. So I, I think the hope is anyone that's shut down their doors, even for delivery and, and takeout, is that they would reopen. But i got to be honest, business is hard as normally. So I am a little worried what, what you know, six months down the road looks like, especially for downtown businesses. There might be Melanie. even more closed doors. Melanie, you have such a sunny disposition, as Loren warned us about before we brought you on, and I and I say warned in the most uh, delightful way. But this, uh, how do you, how are you keeping this positive energy and this positive mm-hmm. attitude in this difficult time? What's your philosophy on that? There must be something uh, deep seated yeah. and 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 something yeah. that that you have you follow and practice. Well, you know, just in my personal life, I've got something set in place. Um, I have a great church community. We turn, turn to Zoom right away. We do chats. Um, my family's great. We've been doing um, Zooming with my nephews. Um, I'm still doing exercising outside. That seems to be a, a controversial thing this day. And to be honest, I told Loren I only wanted the call after nine because I've kind of got like a, a no phone policy until about 8, 830 to like 
do a little meditation, a little coffee, a little kind of just a pause. So I've got a few personal self-care things put in place. And the work itself, I love. It's my work. I love flowers. I love filling orders. People are buying so many thoughtful things for their friends and neighbors. It really is just warming my heart. Everyone is, my customers are just lovely. They're buying kits to do at home virtually with their friends. They're sending me photos. So the work itself is lovely, and then it's it's the self care part on the other half. You you gotta do you gotta do some things to keep yourself uh, keep yourself mentally healthy for sure. Melanie Bernatsky is the owner of Fresh Cut Downtown, joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Melanie, thank you so much for the time. We very much appreciate this. No problem at all. Thanks for the call. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Start. For the past few weeks, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has held regular, almost daily briefings outside his home. In a recent address, he appealed to Canada's children. The doctors and scientists have been clear that social distancing, which means staying at least two metres apart and staying home as much as possible, is the best way to help each other. And you're having to wash your hands a lot. So... A special thanks to all you kids. Thank you for helping your parents work from home, for sacrificing your usual day, for doing math class around the kitchen table, and for trusting in science. It was a pretty powerful message, but as our next guest so aptly put it, it deserves a version all kids want to watch. So he built a Lego set, and in the video you can see Lego kids, Lego playground, Lego scientists, and of course, a Lego Prime Minister, if I recall correctly, complete with a Lego-like beard. We've shared the video to our Twitter accounts, or you can go right to the account of at Walsh T. Yeah, that stands for Tyler Walsh, who is the creator and dad behind it all. He works for Economic Development Winnipeg, but right now, like so many of us, he's working from home. Tyler, first of all, thank you for this stop-motion magic. It is absolutely spectacular. The last time I checked on Twitter, it had over 200,000 views. I'm sure it's seeing similar traction on YouTube. Where did you come up with this idea? Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, it's been kind of a whirlwind uh, 24 hours, so uh, it, it's awesome. Um, I mean, the idea where it came from is I saw that video that uh, the prime minister had uh, uh, had done, and I showed it to my kids at the time. I don't know. That was about a couple of weeks ago. But at the same time, uh, my boys, uh, Jack and Noah, and I were actually working on another Lego project, but then it popped into my head that like, well, I've got all this set up here. What if I combine these two videos and it might be kind of fun and cool and make kids want to watch it more. So that was kind of the goal going in and it seemed to have worked. No, Tyler, I remember uh, from my days in creative communications at Red River, where I believe you also, you're a Creecom grad, are you not? I am uh, 2002. Oh, right on. 2004 for me. Uh, you would have gone with my buddy Steve. But uh, I remember that vid- doing anything video production took a long time. That's one of the reasons why I like radio, because I don't have to, I can just get to it. But this looks like it probably took you quite a long time. How long did it take? Yeah, I was trying to add up the time because I wasn't really keeping track of it. There was, um, you know, we don't have a lot to do in the evenings. So we would just kind of work on on projects like this, right? So uh, it would probably be about six hours of shooting because um, none of it's actually video. It's all photos, right? So because of the stop motion part of it. So it's very tedious work. 
And then there's the whole editing process as well. So that probably took another five or six hours or something like that. So, you know, it's a, a good way to sort of kill the time that we have in our house. Some might argue too much time, depending on how you want to look at this, Tyler, because I know I did the built the Millennium Falcon with my kids a couple years ago. And it started off as a project together, but eventually the kids, you know, their their attention spans only go so far and they move on to something else. And I found myself at night putting together this darn ship. And so did, did the kids work on it with you from start to finish? Uh, not completely start to finish. So like where they really excelled was in the uh, sourcing of the Lego parts phase. So, um, you know, what I'm like, I'm like, you know what, I, I need a sad looking kid. Do we have a sad looking kid? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, it's in this set here. Okay. And uh, where's all the beards we have? Because we got to find the best Trudeau beard. And I had to, we, we were trying to find the perfect hair. And they were like, what about this one? I was like, it, it, that's light brown. It needs to be dark brown. So why don't we just paint it? We'll do that. So there was a lot of that. But then, um, you know, I, I, I will admit there was a couple of uh, nights where I was sitting alone in a dark room in the basement, uh, moving these little Lego characters as well after they had long after they had gone to bed. Well, there's a good lesson there. The idea of once you start something, you you must see it through to conclusion. But but you you outlined how how much work stop motion can be. One of my boys really likes that. And the green screen and fishing line tells me with all the toys that he has. When when I bought that for him, Dad, this is the coolest thing you've ever bought me. So there, I think there's a lesson there for the kids, Tyler. In that it doesn't have to be Xbox. It doesn't have to be a three hundred dollars slash three thousand piece Lego set. You can really be super creative these days with our handheld cameras and devices. And really, the only limitation is your imagination and your stick to itiveness. Well, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, we uh, it, just in terms of like, obviously, none of that, uh, none of these sets that we used uh, and these characters existed. We were just combining all the stuff that we had. So the fun part is getting creative in terms of um, we would, you know, print off a picture or have a picture on the laptop of, you know, Trudeau's house and be like, OK, how do we how do we put that? Well, I mean, we don't have it's, it's kind of a red. So let's go with red, you know, that kind of thing. So. Um, yeah, we're limited by our imagination, but also the amount of Lego we have. But luckily, we have a lot. And as well, uh, when one of our listeners pointed this out as well, uh, an eagle-eyed listener who noticed that you localized the video as well by including uh, Dr. Brent Rusin and Lynette Siragusa in the video. Ah, good catch, yes. Well, I, I mean, I knew that uh, when he said, you know, we got to listen to what the doctors and scientists are telling us. I was like, oh, you know what, I should I should localize this a little bit. So, yeah, I, did, uh, I didn't... Uh, I think I, I, I nailed uh, Rusin's look, Siragusa. I, I don't know if her hair's quite right, but it's, a, it's sort of the best we had. Well, I think the effort's been tremendous. I was trying to figure out what those characters were originally from, you know, the Star Wars set or the Batman set or where it all came from. But, Tyler, at the end of the day, it is still about the message. How have your kids been taking it? Like, did, Have you got feedback as well about the positive impact of putting the video like this together? Because we do want to try to get our kids to understand as best as possible what they're going through and why they're going through it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, I had showed them the original video because I thought it was valuable for them to learn and they, and they thought it uh, like to understand what, what the message was. And, uh, and, you know, when we sort of combine this together, uh, it becomes much, much more profound for kids, right? And, and, and they get it and, and they'll be entertained by it, but also get a message out of it. And that's what, like I've got, I've got a lot of messages of, of parents, uh, or sorry, uh, not parents, but um, educators 
uh, asking permission to put it on those various uh, online platforms that they're using for their education now to pass along to their kids. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. That's the whole point. You know, like, let's get that out there. So there's been a lot of that. And then a lot of messages from parents, you know, just saying, um, I showed them, I show, I tried to show them the original video and they weren't really interested, but we've watched this one three times, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. All right, Tyler Walsh, the creator of this awesome Lego video, which Loren mentioned, you can find it on our social medias. We've linked the video to our 680 CJOB Instagram story if you want to find it, or you can go straight to the source at Walsh T on Twitter. Tyler Walsh, uh, just an incredible piece of creativity uh, with the Lego. Has this, by the way, made you want to stay away from Lego for a while, Tyler? (laughs) Oh man, I love Lego. I could, you know, I've got people saying you should do this full time. I was like, no, I love my job. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just fun, right? It's and um, you know, the there's just an endless amount of opportunities, right? And and something like this just lets us get creative. It's not just following instructions. We get to actually, you know, build stuff, which I think was the whole point of Lego originally. So no, no way. This is super fun. All right, Tyler, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. We appreciate this, sir. All right, thank you. Oh, sorry, I cut him off there. And McNabb, uh, did you finish the Millennium Falcon, by the way? Oh, yeah, we finished it. Oh, I did. Uh, The kids worked with me on it every (laughs) single day. But by the end, like I said, it really was this thing where I was determined. It was given to us by our... uh, my in-laws, the, the kids' grandparents. And at first I thought it was because she was secretly telling me she hated me because it was so complicated to put together. And I was like, maybe this is a supposed to be torture for me. But it was so much fun. And to the point where I kept it on the coffee table for, I think, at least six months afterwards. Like, I didn't let them play with it. It was like art. I was like, don't you be touching that. That just took us about a thousand hours to put together. <laughs> well, good for you. I've always How many pieces won- is it? Uh, I, it, I want to say it's around a thousand I'll have to look that up. It was oh a lot. God. Yeah. Wow. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hurry, hurry. Hello? Are you